Lord, we're so thankful for who you are. And as we start a new sermon series today on, on prayer, praise, and worship, uh, God, we just come before you open. I, I ask that every person in this room would come before you open. For those that don't know you, Lord, for those that are wondering why we would worship God, I pray you would meet them today, that you would show them why we would worship you, why we would, we would sacrifice our lives and the way we live to you, and also why we would sing to you. Why, it's weird to be in a room with a bunch of people singing if you're not used to it. Uh, why would we sing to you? Why would we clap our hands? Why would we shout uh, shouts of joy to you, Lord? And, and God, I, I pray that you would be with each of us, uh, myself included, that we would really be able to honestly compare our comfort zones and our culture with Scripture this morning. And I ask that you would just challenge each of us uh, to take a small step uh, in coming out of our comfort zone in the way that we worship you uh, today. God, as, we, as Victoria said, we, we are a multicultural church, and our longing and desire is to be a multicultural church. And so my prayer for Mosaic is that we today and, and, and in all the years to follow would have a culture that welcomes multicultural worship and I pray that today I would be a big part of making that happen. So thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins, for raising from the dead, for, for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, worthy of all of our praise, worthy of our lives. We are so grateful, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as I mentioned, we're starting a new sermon series today. It'll take us through uh, the next four or five weeks or so, Prayer, Praise, and Worship. And what I hope to do today is just break up the ice a little bit to get us ready to consider some new things, possibly, and some biblical things. Did anybody have to break up the ice this last week on their sidewalk? Uh, yeah? Did anyone have to get out there? You know, my snow shovel wouldn't do the job because it's made of plastic. Had to bring out the real shovel. Had to bring out the metal shovel to get under that ice and break it up a little bit, right? Everyone's like, we, we're going to try to do that a little bit today. It's a little uncomfortable. There, there's a little risk involved in this sermon, and I just want to lay it out there now. Uh, but I, my prayer is that we break up the ice a little bit to get us ready for some things that might be new to us but aren't new to the Bible. And we're a church that believes in the Bible, and, and we believe that, uh, that we should obey it. And, and so we're going we're gonna to address some, some things in the next few weeks, prayer, praise, and worship, and we just pray that the Holy Spirit uses the Bible uh, to draw us closer to God. Amen? That's our prayer. That's our prayer uh, for, for this, this series. So we're going to start out with just uh, a little fun example. Uh, uh, as we, before we get into our text this morning, what does a, a, a sad noise sound like? So think about that. What, what does a sad noise sound like? A sad noise might sound like, oh, hmm, oh, maybe some tears. Oh, Michigan lost and Kyle's sad. He's sad. Josh isn't here, so I'm going to pick on you, Kyle. So, what does a tired noise sound like? <sighs> Maybe a yawn. <sighs> what does an angry noise sound like? Ah, tired, <laughs> tired and angry. Ollie, that wasn't angry. That was a happy noise. Ollie's back there cracking up. 
Sometimes my tired noise quickly turns into an angry noise. Amen. <laughs> if I'm tired, I'm like, I'm tired. Ah. <laughs> what does a happy noise sound like? A happy noise sounds like Alejandro in the back. Laughing, giggling. You know what a happy noise is? My daughter Sage, nine years old in the morning. And the rest of us are making tired noises, borderlining on anger noises. And Sage is like, good morning, hello, let's play the happy music. She turns on the little Echo Dot, Amazon Echo in the, in the, in the kitchen, I'm like full blast on this happy music. I'm like, Sage, you cannot do that right now. Like there's literally a Bible verse. It's in Proverbs or Psalms somewhere, I forget. And it says, do not wake up your neighbor or something like that. It will make them real grumpy. I promise you it's in there. Google it, okay? I promise you. I'm like, I am grumpy in the morning. Do not be happy around me. We have one morning person in our family, and uh, she's a little too happy in the morning. So what does a, a, a joyful noise sound like? A joyful noise, because now we're getting into some scripture. So we're going to talk about making a joyful noise. A joyful noise sounds like, woo! A joyful noise sounds like, yeah, baby, let's go. A joyful noise sounds like, give me a five. It sounds like clapping. I wish Josh Liggins was here. We all know Josh. I think he's traveling for business today. If you want to hear a joyful noise, watch a Michigan football game with Josh, and you will hear a joyful noise. If you find him on Facebook, just find his Facebook Lives of the game. You don't even need to watch the game. Just watch Josh's Facebook Anytime there's a Michigan game on, and you will hear a joyful... Who's, who's experienced this? Uh, Josh, <laughs> my children, every time there's a football game on, they go, is Mr. Josh coming over today? Because that's all they want to do is watch Mr. Josh watch football. That is a joyful noise. So I want to talk to you about joyful noises this morning as we introduce this series on worship. Because the Bible says in Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now, now, this is in the Bible, and I just think we read this and gloss right over it. We read it and go, okay, that's cool. That's good for some people. Who does it say is supposed to make a joyful noise? All the earth. Unless you're from Mars or Jupiter, this applies to you, okay? All the earth is meant to make a joyful noise. And it's not a suggestion. It's not a like, hey, when you feel like it. Hey, when, you're, when your church background, uh, when they're the ones that trained you how to do this, then you do it. No, this is a command from God, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. So I think it's serious that we're commanded to do this. Now, today, this morning, and hopefully the next four or five weeks, we're going to look at why we would make a joyful noise to God, maybe sometimes why we don't, and why this command is crucial to the mission and vision of Mosaic Church. Okay, so, so this sermon today, as I said, it's a challenge, it's a little bit of a risk. This is a sermon that I believe is meant to shape Mosaic Church's culture for the next 10 years. 
Okay, so why is this important to the vision and vision, vision and mission of Mosaic Church? We're going to get into that uh, after we take another break with our small groups. So for those of you that are new, welcome. We're super glad you're here. We always do this uh, twice a sermon, twice a, a Sunday. We break into our groups. We discuss the sermon right before we dive into it. So we're going to do that for the next six minutes. Gather back in your groups and go over these two questions. When was the last time you made a joyful noise? Why did you make it? Just, this isn't church-related. I mean, it could be, but just when was the last time you made one of those joyful noises that I was making earlier, okay? And then number two, were joyful noises made in your family and or church culture? So you don't have to go real deep. I don't mean to touch on any wounds. I just mean, was your family more of a reserved family? If you grew up in church, and if you didn't, that's totally okay. Was your church family more of a reserved culture, or was your family and or church culture more of an expressive, uh, joyful noise, noisy sort of culture? And then do you follow that pattern today? Would you say like, I'm pretty reserved because my family was pretty reserved, or, you know, the other way around, did I break out of that? They were really energetic and I'm not, or, or, or whatever. So talk about that for the next six minutes, and then that's going to all apply to the rest of the sermon. So we'll get a timer up on the screen, and uh, we'll let you go at it. All right, so Psalm 100 is what we were just introing before we jumped in here to our discussion time. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to his presence with singing. So this is the, the command that he gives us. There's five verses in the psalm, and we're going to look at uh, the rest of it here next. Uh, I, I want to say uh, off the bat, for those of you that are new Christians, for those of you that are new to coming to church, you are off the hook for this message, okay? I understand that singing feels weird. Uh, I, I had a, a friend who's a new Christian, and uh, they visited here before, and they're like, I'm not singing. I said, that's fine. You don't have to sing. You know? <laughs> they're like, I don't sing. Totally okay. So just know that uh, really this message God's put on my heart. Honestly, this is for uh, our core our core attenders at Mosaic. This is for longtime Christians, mature Christians. I want to challenge each of you. I want to challenge you uh, with Scripture's commands versus what we grew up with, with our culture. And that's why I wanted you to start thinking in your, in your discussion time about, about your culture that you grew up in. So verses uh, 3 through 5, they give us more of the why behind why would we make a joyful noise to the Lord? Why would we want to come into his presence with singing? And this is what the rest of the psalm says. It says, know that the Lord, number one, he is God. That's a pretty good reason, right? God is in the room. <laughs> make a joyful noise and sing to him, okay? It is he who made us. There's another good reason. That's a pretty good resume, right? Who made you? God made you. That's amazing to think that you can communicate and be in the same room as the being, the person that made you. That's amazing. Uh, keep going. It says, we are his. There's a, we, I could do a whole sermon just on those three words. We are his. We, 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 we're not owned by the world. We don't need to go find our belonging, our acceptance, our love elsewhere and all the trappings uh, that the world might give us. We are God's. We are his children. He loves us. He holds us. He is our father. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, what do you know about sheep? They're helpless on their own. If the wolf comes in the sheep pen, who's going to win? The wolf or the sheep? The wolf, unless the shepherd's around. 
And that shepherd's going to take that shepherd's staff and knock that wolf upside the head, right? That's what a shepherd is going to do. God is our shepherd. That's worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. The psalm has already given us so much to be thankful for. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It does not say that his kind of shaky love is going to run out in the next nine months. Give him praise. His somewhat shaky love is going to run out in a year and a half. Give him praise. No, it says his steadfast love endures forever. Give him praise and his faithfulness to all generations. To how many generations? All generations. So many reasons are listed for why we would follow the command of the first two verses to make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, to serve him with gladness, and to come into his presence with singing. All right, now I want to talk a little bit about culture. We had you talk about culture in your, uh, in your groups, in your groups. And I know that when we talk about worship, when I know when we talk about making a joyful noise to the Lord, that that can relate to your culture and your context. So you might be sitting there going, okay, I get it, make a joyful noise to God, and, and I might make a joyful noise if Michigan scores a touchdown. But Michigan didn't just score a touchdown. I'm just sitting here in church. Like nothing happened that would make me make a joyful noise. So it doesn't feel right that in this culture, in this setting, that I would just get up and clap or make a joyful noise the way Scripture's talking about. I just want you to know that I get that and I understand that. But I want to talk a little bit about what is culture. That could have been a good discussion question to have you talk about. What is culture? I think very roughly speaking, and I'm, I'm really just kind of, using my own observation of what is culture. Think about culture. Go to different, think about different places you go into. If you go into the big house, Michigan Stadium, and there's 100,000 people there, and they're all singing a fight song, that's a culture, isn't it? Everyone's wearing maize and blue, and, and there's a camaraderie there, and there's music. There's a culture there. If you go into an all-white church, there's a culture there. If you go into an all-black church, there's a culture there. An all-Latino church, there's a culture there. You go into Walmart, there's a culture there. You go into a coffee shop, there's a culture there. You go anywhere you go, there's a culture there. There's culture everywhere. It can feel like culture is its own monster, and we are sort of subservient to it. What I mean is, if you walk into a reserved room, guess what? You're going to be probably reserved. If you walk into an energetic room, guess what you're going to be? energetic. It feels like culture controls it, and then you follow what culture does. But that's not true. Culture is based on humans. We create culture. Now, it might feel like we can't out in the world because there's Hollywood and there's social media. There's so much bigness to it. But if you look around this room, we ain't Hollywood in here, okay? We, 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 we are small enough family we can create our own culture. 
We, we individually can choose to create the culture within Mosaic. And, and, and that's why I said earlier in my prayer, that the, or in my intro, that the culture we create now is going to be Mosaic's culture 10 years from now. Because Mosaic will get to a point, a size, it's going to be harder to change the culture. I don't know how, what size we'll get to. That's up to God. But the bigger you get and the longer you've been doing it, the harder it is to change the culture. Okay, so that's, we're, we're still in a phase where the cement is still wet. You can still shape it and form it versus when the cement is dry. The only way to change that is with a jackhammer, and that's really hard. <laughs> so, so we're in this unique moment of culture. And I want to share this too um, as, as we, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, so we can choose, I want to say this first, we can choose to be a jubilant culture because of what we know about God. Now, that does not mean we're going to be a fake culture. I despise fakeness. I, I despise it. I think we need to be authentic. We need to be real. And it doesn't mean that to be a Christian means you have to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that to be a Christian, you can never be discouraged. Or when, when, when hard things are going on, you have to say, oh, I'm blessed. As the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, there can be some positive things about having a positive mindset and, and speaking truth about God's faithfulness, but I'm not proposing that we become a fake, happy Christian culture. I do think, though, that Sunday morning can be a time where we intentionally come together to celebrate God, biblically. It's like a birthday party. You're coming together at a birthday party to what? To celebrate the person's birthday. Whose, whose birthday party it is. You're going to act differently at a birthday party than you would at a normal party, right? Sunday morning is like a birthday party for God. It's not his birthday, but it's a party for God to celebrate him. We've set it aside, really apart from the struggles of our life, the despair of the world. We come together Joining together, I think of the city on the hill that Jesus talks about. Not necessarily an exact example of Sunday morning. That's our whole lives. But we're coming together to focus in on the light of God, to focus in on the light of the love of God, despite what's going on all around us. We believe in the grace of Jesus, do we not? Amen? And we're coming together as a group to celebrate the grace of Jesus together. Now, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. What does it look like to be a culture that makes a joyful noise? We've got to think about that. What does it look like to be a culture that serves the Lord with gladness? A culture that comes into his presence with singing. We've looked at the reasons why we would do this. What would it look like to be a culture that believes these things so deeply that it causes us to make a joyful noise. It causes us to sing. It causes us to praise and to give thanks. I want to give you two reasons why this is essential at Mosaic. And again, this, this sermon, this is a culture-shaping sermon for our church. We've already talked about the biblical command. I, I think this is how we become biblical Christians. Is in, is in doing this, part, partially. It, there's a biblical command that we are to make a joyful noise to the Lord. But also, do you know our mission statement? It's on this banner right next to me. Mosaic exists to be a multi-ethnic church 
living out Jesus' kingdom values, bringing racial equity and gospel freedom to the city of Grand Rapids. Now, I'm speaking generally here. Generally speaking, if you'll give me permission to do that, uh, most white churches, outside of some Pentecostal charismatic churches, most white churches, most white cultures are pretty passive. Mine certainly was growing up in my church, pretty passive. In fact, there's a, there's a predominantly white denomination that's known as the frozen chosen. You ever heard that phrase before? You know, it's not really a good thing. Like, frozen chosen means we don't move when we worship. We just, we're frozen. Like, I'm not going to move. I will make move my lips, but that's all. There's something about white culture that has, has conditioned us to be, to be reserved. Generally speaking, black churches, black church culture is much more expressive, generally speaking. Generally speaking, Hispanic church cultures are much more expressive. Someone in our group back here, I'm glad this was brought up, said, I grew up in a passive culture, white church, and then I started doing missions trips around the world. Who's been, to other, who's been to another country and sat through a worship service with, with others from another country? Anyone? Okay. Now, if you went to a European nation, uh, white culture, you, I'm not sure I've never actually been, you, you may have experienced something similar to what, we, what you may experience here in a white church. But by and large, across the board, if you go to any nation, any culture of people of color around the world, your worship service is going to be off the chain, okay? Here, the shouts of joy are going to be eminent. The clapping, the noises being made, uh, the music, it's going to celebrate expressively what God has done. Um, I think it's more biblical. I just think it's more biblical. It matches, I'm just saying it matches. It matches the Bible more than a frozen, chosen worship service does. So we want to be a multi-ethnic church, multicultural church. This is what I've observed. If you come into a passive space and you are an energetic person and you're clapping and nobody else is clapping around you, I guess we, I guess we don't do that here, <laughs> especially if you're a person of color and everyone around you is white and you're like, well, I guess they don't do that here because we're talking to these white people. Am I wrong? So, so how do we become a multi-ethnic, multicultural church? I don't think it's that everybody has to be shouting and singing and dancing and clapping. But I do think that has to become the norm. I do. I think it has to become a place where you can come in as a new person from an expressive culture and go, oh, yeah. They're speaking my language here. They're speaking my language here. So let me ask you this. Uh, what does, this is not a trick question, what does dominant culture do? What does dominant culture do? It dominates. Dominant culture dominates. I'm not, I'm not, that's not controversial. Dominant culture dominates. Good and bad. If you're in a culture where everybody's getting good grades, everybody's studying hard, and you have one kid who's like, I ain't doing that, I ain't getting good, I'm going to go good. But everybody else is studying hard. Everybody else is getting good grades. Guess what's going to, dominant culture will dominate. 
And that kid has a much better chance of going, well, man, if all these kids, all these other kids, all these cool kids, they're studying and getting good grades, then I'm going to do that too. Dominant culture dominates, okay? And in the same way, if you have a kid who, I want to study, I want to get good grades, and every, all the other kids are screwing around, and they make fun of that kid, you're a nerd, you know, come do this stuff. It's only a matter of time before the kid's like, I'm not, doing, I'm not studying, I'm going to go do what these other kids are doing. Dominant culture dominates. And if the dominant culture is white, we're a multicultural church here at Mosaic. I don't, I mean, it's just, is what it is. Dominant culture is still white. We have a majority white. 51% are up. That's, gonna, that's dominant, okay? That's, I'm just speaking statistically here. Dominant culture dominates. In this case, the dominant culture, which is generally more passive and reserved, is not matching up to Scripture's command. We, we have to address that to be an authentically multicultural church where where, where, where people can come in and feel comfortable and feel like their language is being spoken. Now, again, it means if you worship in a more passive way, it doesn't mean you have to worship in the same way as the most expressive person in a room. But what I'm asking you to do, again, if you're new to church, if you're a new Christian, you are off the hook. If you're my friend that's like, I'm not singing. I'm like, I just want you to know Jesus. I don't care if you sing, <laughs> okay? Let me talk about Jesus. But what I want to challenge you with today is if you're a, a longtime Christian, to take one step just to take one step closer to what these passages are talking about. It's going to look different for different people. But you have to stand up to dominant culture. That's what you have to do. You have to intentionally make an intentional choice to stand up to it and say, I'm not going to let dominant culture dictate what I do. It's not that different than your, your moral life. It's easy in our world to become immoral because our world is very immoral. You make an intentional choice to say, I'm going to stand up to the immoral culture. I'm going to live a moral life, a, a God-obedient life. I'm going to stand up to dominant culture. So we are attempting to stand up to a reserved worship culture, but with biblical conviction, okay? With biblical conviction. That's what we're attempting to do. I'm not beating you up, okay? I understand the challenges of this, but this is a pep talk. This is intentionally a pep talk, right? I mean, let's do it now. Let's do it now. We don't want you to bring the jackhammer out later, right? Like, let's do it now. While we're young and we're small, this is a vision cast for our church. In some sense, you could call this a biblical prophetic cry. What I mean by that is a prophetic cry is saying, Scripture says this, and we're doing this. Okay, what needs to happen here? This needs to come and do this. That's a prophetic cry. Usually the prophets in the Old Testament got thrown into wells and beaten and killed. So <laughs> don't do that to me. Uh, but a biblically prophetic cry says, this is what God wants. This is what we do now, and this is what God wants. You guys remember the sermon that Laurent and I did in August? Who was here for that? Sermon on worship. Yeah. Woo. Guess who's preaching twice in this series? LaRonda. Yeah. Can we give it up for that? Yeah. All right. So. Some of you were here for that, um, but one sermon in August about worship is not going to change our culture, okay? Um, we, did a, we did a sermon where we, we showed scriptures on the screen, and we're like, this scripture says clap your hands, and I had you all get up and clap. This scripture says raise your hands, and I'll let you get up and raise your hands, Remember that was, right? We, we practiced that, but from there, we, we kind of went like this, kind of back to what we're used to, and that's how things work. It's kind of like if you go to the gym and you do one workout, you're like, I'm good now. No, you're not. Uh, it, I've tried to take, I hate golf. I, anyone else hate golf in here? 
Okay, thank you. Thank you, the spirit's moving. I hate golf. Here's why. Here's why I hate golf. Because I'm bad at golf. I hate golf because I'm bad at golf. You know the only way to be good at golf is to keep golfing and golf and golf and golf and golf. And I've taken golf lessons, and those golf lessons did not help me. Do you know why? Because I did not golf and golf and golf and golf. If you take a golf lesson and you learn, okay, I learned it, you're not going to get any better at golf unless you keep golfing and golfing and golfing. It's the same with piano lessons. It's the same with guitar lessons. The only way to make it become a habit is to keep coming back to it. It's to keep coming back to it. So as, as your, your pastor, I'm saying we're going to keep coming back to it because we want to be a multicultural church, right? We want to be a church that, that, that becomes in the habit of making a joyful noise to the Lord. We're not there yet, and that's okay. It's like I'm hitting the golf ball, boom, into the woods. It's okay. It's a lesson. No biggie. You're not on a PGA Tour. You don't have to be. It's okay, but we're going to keep coming back to it. Uh, I'm not a person comfortable being expressive. My culture was reserved. Like I said, it doesn't come to me naturally. Some people are very musical, very rhythmic. I am not one of those people. Uh, this is a picture of me, the recent daddy-daughter dance with my daughters. I do own a suit. I wear it to the daddy-daughter dance, weddings and funerals. So if you ever want to see me in a suit, those are your three chances right there. Okay. Uh, I am a box made out of cement. So I personally am a box made out of cement. That is what I am, okay? Others are made out of butter and silk, okay? We're at the daddy-daughter dance, and this dude is just, just gone. Just, he is just dancing, grooving, boom, boom. You're like, that's not even fair. He looked like Michael Jackson. I mean, he's just moving. Like, his joints aren't even made of bone. They're like, I don't know what he's made out of, but everything was smooth. Everything was buttery. That's not me. That is not me. For some people, that type of movement is completely innate. They were born with it, probably helped along by their culture at a young age to encourage that, say this is good, keep doing it. I wasn't. I'll tell you this, I feel stupid when I dance. I feel stupid, and it makes me not want to do it. Sometimes I feel stupid when I try to be more expressive worship, worshipfully, and it makes me not want to do it. I know that you feel stupid sometimes, when, when you try to get out of your comfort zone to praise God and, and to be more expressive. But let me tell you this. We're talking about God here. We're talking about God here. And when Lorana talked earlier up here about making a, a sacrifice, the incense to God, feeling stupid before God is a really honorable sacrifice to God. It's a really honorable sacrifice. Say, God, I feel stupid, but you tell me to do this, so I'm going to do it. You tell me to raise my hand, I'm going to raise my hand. I feel stupid, but I'm feeling stupid for you because you're God and you're worthy of me feeling like this. In the picture, I dance with my daughters at the daddy-daughter dance, even though I'm a cement box and I feel stupid. You know why? Because of my daughters, because I love them. I try to dance with my wife. She's much more of the silk and butter variety. I am very much a cement box variety. That feels stupid. But I try. It's because I love her. Y'all, the Bible doesn't say your joyful noise has to sound good. It just says it's got to be a noise. You just, it doesn't have to be a good noise. You don't have to sound like an angel. You can sound like a bullfrog. Just make a joyful noise. 
God wants it. He made you that way. He's the one that gave you the bad voice. <laughs> He's the one that he made me a box. All I got is the box you made me in, God. Right? We try because he's God, because we love him. You guys remember the George Moss concert? January 9th, 2022. I am the whitest cement box you've ever seen. I'm not just a, a box. I'm a white cement box, okay? If you remember that concert, I went up on stage up to the front, and I made a fool of myself, jumping around with George and Debo and Josh, Acting like, acting like I could, I don't know what I was acting like. You know why I did that? I did that to help others. I did that to create culture. Because people are looking to me, what's Noah doing? People are sitting back reserved. This is a hip-hop concert. A hip-hop concert that glorified God even. It was a worshipful hip-hop concert. And so I went up front and jumped around looking like an idiot. Kyle made fun of me. I remember that. Yep. Total box. Total box to get other people involved, to get other people excited. And that's what I'm asking you to do at Mosaic. If you are a mature Christian, a core Mosaic attender, to take a step forward in your uncomfortableness, as an act of worship. Let the uncomfortableness be the act of worship because God commands it because we're compelled to do it by the gospel. And in conclusion, do you know in our church who demonstrates this the best? We might have to go get him. I don't know where he went. But it's my, it's my man, Alejandro. My man. Maybe God didn't want him to be in here. To, we'll just embarrass Lisa instead. My man Alejandro, he claps. He says amen. He does not care. He does not care what you think of him. Jesus knew that. Remember this verse? Jesus said, Christy, you were preaching my message earlier. I told it, man, I told you, you're preaching my message. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Look, as adults, guys, we've built up pride. You're not a bad person because of it. You're just old. You're just, the older you get, the more set in your ways you get. That's just, that's science. Like, that's proven. The older you get, the more set in your ways you get. You know, we, we develop pride. We develop fear. It's a fear that says, I'm not going to change. Kids don't have that yet. They don't have that pride yet. They don't have that fear yet. When my kids are, were little, sorry, I got a, a five-year-old, nine-year-old, and 11-year-old. My five-year-old is still very much in this age. All my five-year-old wants to do is hug me. Dad, let's hug. Okay, Dad, let's hug. Let's hug. Let's hug. When your kids become a teenager, they don't want to hug. Anymore, they say, shut up, Dad. You're a dork, and I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of in the early, we're getting there. We're, getting, we're touching on that phase, right? <laughs> You're a dork, Dad. I'm going to do whatever I want. Shut up. That's because they're older. We're older, we often go to God with that. I don't care what Psalms 100 says. God, I'm going to do whatever I want. 
versus the kid is like, let's go. Joyful noise. Yes. Have faith like a child. And we're going to make a joyful noise. All right, what we're going to do next, I'm going to bring the worship team back up. There's our man, Alejandro. He didn't even know I was just talking about him. There he is. (laughs) Yes. We'll have to watch this video of that, Lisa. (laughs) Make sure he watches that on YouTube. Um, I was talking about you, man. Come up here. I was saying how I love the way you worship. Yeah, buddy. All right, here's what we're going to do next. We're going we're gonna to sing uh, You Are Good again. You want to stand up here with me? Okay, we're going we're gonna to sing You Are Good. It was a first song we led with. This is a very energetic song. You, you don't even have to feel stupid in this song to be energetic. This is a song, if you, you can dance a little bit, you can clap your hands. This is a good song to clap. I can't even clap on beat, so I need LaRonda to help me out. Give us a, help, help us to clap on beat. Uh, we're going we're gonna to worship, we're adding an extra song in, we're going to repeat this song, and then we're going to go into communion after that. But I want you, I want you to challenge yourself to take one extra step. If you never sing, just sing a little bit. Just speak a little bit. Just speak the word. Just mumble them under your breath. If you normally sing, try to raise your hands a little bit. Try to move a little bit. If you never clap, this is a great song to clap to. This is a great song. This is a great song to clap to. So, so I lied, Jake. I said we were doing communion next and we're not. We're doing You Are Good next. So let's get You Are Good going. Will you guys stand with me and we are going to sing You Are Good and we're going to worship because God is good, is he not? Amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. So let's sing. I'm going to turn my mic off because LaRonda can sing really good. Come on, Here we Pat. go. You can sing. Here we go. We're going to practice what we just learned. We're going to bless the Lord with our bodies today, with our voices. Hallelujah. Yeah. Here we go. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Come on, let me hear you. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy yeah. Oh, people from every nation, from generation, come on, lift your voice, sing for you, hallelujah, 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 just for who you are, come on and listen, sing for
To praise God like that? Can we give it up for Alejandro, our, our co-worship leader? Yeah, we got to get him up on the worship band every week. 